And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender. With me, as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Hello, hello. How are you? Oh, it's uh, it's warm. It's getting warmer here. It's supposed to be like 95 on Thursday, Friday. So it's going to be interesting, but I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I went camping this weekend. Yikes. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know your favorite. Yeah. Pass. <laughs> Not a shower in sight. Gross. Yeah. But uh, how are you? I'm good. No complaints. Good. Good to hear. What are you watching? Oh, man. I watched a lot of stuff. Uh, Vice. I watched Jane Austen's Mafia after I got uh, excited after we did The Godfather. So it was uh, not very good, but I remember watching it as a kid. I watched Clueless, uh, the original Suicide Squad from 2016. And then I watched A Quiet Place 2. And I really enjoyed that, actually. Um, and then I watched, on your recommendation, The Legendary Knights, The Tale of Gotti Ward. Cool. Yeah. What about you? Uh, just watching most of the Olympics. And then I watched uh, Silicon Valley. I'm plowing through that. Uh, I finished. I started. I feel like I started on Monday, maybe Tuesday. And I'm already done with season four. So. Wow. How many uh, do we have? There's four seasons? There's six. I am way behind. Yeah, it ended like two years ago. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen them all. Uh, this is just my first rewatch since it ended. Mm, okay. Yeah. Right on. He's good. Um, yeah. So this week, we're actually going to be doing a new movie. We're doing The Suicide Squad. Uh, it just came out on Thursday in theaters and HBO Max. Uh, excited about this one. Directed by James Gunn, who you might know from... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxies Volume 1 and 2, along with an announced Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Then you also have Slither, Super, and Movie 43. <laughs> Suicide Squad was written by James Gunn, and the cast includes Margot Robbie, Idris Elba, John Cena, Joel Kinnaman, Michael Rooker, Viola Davis, John Ostrander, Nathan Fillion, Jai Courtney, Flula Borg, Mailing, you got like every character. I know. I know. <laughs> Pete Davidson, Sean Gunn, Steve, and Stephen Blackheart, I guess. Uh, critical reception, I don't have in front of me at the moment. I apologize. Kind of forgot that was a thing. <laughs> uh, but it's sitting at a pretty high score right now on Rotten Tomatoes at 92% with the critics and then 85% with the audience. Uh, I was subject to review bombing earlier in the week. Uh, but still at an 85%, which isn't bad. That's uh, something to be proud of, I suppose. Uh, then you have, let's see here. Who are these people? Uh, you have Tim Cogshell from Film Week says, we're not supposed to notice all this uh, pilfering from movies of our childhood, but I noticed them. The movie is a mess. <laughs> Jeez. Yikes. <laughs> Uh, then you have Wenli Ma from News.com says, Gunn's movie is wondrously wild, delightfully deranged, and viscerally violent. Yeah. It's visceral. 
Um, I know that, um, you know, we, we spend our, our podcast talking about our opinions and everything. And I, I immediately, well, I didn't even do this immediately. I waited a day before I mentioned something in our discord, but I wanted to read my sort of my, my initial thoughts after I saw it. Cause I think that it kind of is in the same vein of like a Metacritic rotten tomatoes sort of blurb, <laughs> but, um, it just says, um, uh, I have a lot of thoughts. I'm struggling to articulate them at the moment, and perhaps a rewatch would help. I hope everyone enjoys the, their experience, though. Part of me feels like I just watched a music video directed by Michael Bay for what he thought was Guardians of the Galaxy 3. That probably makes zero sense, but that's my that's the first thing that popped into my head. Um, I think I liked it. The critics are telling me it's amazing, but I'm left more empty than wowed. I didn't hate it. I just don't think I get it. That was That was literally my initial thoughts. After I saw the movie, I'm not, you know, that's not too far off from kind of where I was, too. I. Yeah, we'll get into a little bit more, but I when you wrote that, I was like, huh, I agree. Oh, I just don't know what to make of it yet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But let's see here. The as far as um, box office numbers, it looks like we're at twenty six point five million opening weekend here in North America as well as 33.2 million worldwide. Of course, these numbers are impacted by COVID and the idea that so many people can just stream from home via HBO Max, which is definitely what you and I have done. Mm-hmm. And there you have it. Right on. So a few fun facts from this. James Gunn specifically filled the Suicide Squad with obscure and unknown villains since he felt that was felt that was more faithful to the squad in the comics. I wanted to stick with Joss, John Ostrander's original version of mostly second-rate antagonists. There's an innate tragic element to supervillains who aren't even that good at being bad. Hmm. Idris Elba was initially hired to replace Will Smith as Floyd Lawton slash Deadshot, but it was later decided that Elba would play a new character, Bloodsport, to allow Smith to return in the future. That'd be kind of cool. They have a little tag team action going on there. Uh, Margot Robbie said uh, she would play Harley Quinn for as long as possible as she loved playing her in the DC Extended Universe. And then James Gunn wasn't refused permission to use any character he wanted. However, he purposely chose the mostly lesser known characters. And in a tweet, Gunn wrote, I considered many more well-known heroes and outlaws, but I wanted to stick with Ostrander's original. Oh, I just read that. That's stupid. Sorry, that was my bad. And then finally, Suicide Squad comic writer John Ostrander plays Dr. Fitzgibbon in the film. He's the guy that in injects the tracking bombs into the people's heads. So that's a little neat Easter egg in there. But yeah. um, yeah. So as a warning, this is going to be a spoiler filled episode. So if you have not seen the Suicide Squad, um, go ahead and uh, turn it off. Turn this podcast off. <laughs> Throw your phone into a, a, a pit, a bottomless pit. Anyways, under orders from in. Intelligence officer Amanda Waller, 13 inmates from Bell Rev Penitentiary, former psychiatrist uh, Harley Quinn, man-eating hybrid Nanao, Australian thief Captain Boomerang, hitman Bloodsport, violent extremist Peacekeeper, metahumans TDK and Polkadot Man, computer hacker Savant, mercenary Blackguard, former Olympic athlete Javelin, alien warrior Mongol, rat-controlling robber Ratcatcher 2, and cannibalistic humanoid Weasel are recruited as Task Force S, Task Force X. To I, distri- think, I think um, it's Nanawe. Nanawe? Yeah, it's the Hawaiian. Oh, Nan- yeah. Nanawe. Oh. oh, 
I, I, I don't know what I said. Nanawe. Okay. I think you said Nanao. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm dumb. Um, to destroy Jotunheim, a Nazi-era prison and laboratory in the South American uh, island nation of Cordo Maltese that holds political prisoners and a site for secretive experiments. The team have explosive devices in their skulls, which can be detonated at any moment if they fail to follow Waller's orders. Led by Waller's subordinate Colonel Rick Flagg, Harley, Boomerang, TDK, Mongol, Javelin, Blackguard, Weasel, and Savant are deployed on a Cordo Maltese beach in order to infiltrate the lab. Weasel apparently drowns while Blackguard attempts to betray the team to the Corto Maltese military, but is shot dead. Mongol is burned alive when she crashes a helicopter, also killing Boomerang with the helicopter's shrapnel. TDK and Javelin are shot dead while Waller detonates Savant's explosive device when he tries to flee in a panic. Harley and Flag are left as the only survivors. Flag leaves Harley to be captured by the military while he escapes. Meanwhile, Bloodsport, um, Nanao, what is that? Nanawe. Nanawe, duh, okay. Bloodsport, Nanawe, uh, Ratcatcher 2, Polkadot Man, and Peacemaker are deployed on another beach where they rescue Flag and convince a rebel fa- faction known as the Freedom Fighters, led by dissident Sol Sor- Soria, to join fo- forces and kill Cordo Maltese's director, Silvio Luna, in order to destroy Jotunheim. Harley is taken to Luna's palace where he proposes to Harley, viewing her as an anti-American symbol. However, when he later explains his plans to use Jotunheim to punish political dissidents, uh, including torturing their children, Harley shoots and kills him. She is subsequently arrested for the murder and tortured by his men. The the squad kidnaps the Thinker, a hyper-intelligent metahuman who works as Jotunheim's chief scientist and learn that Harley is alive and being interrogated by Luna's successor, General Mateo Suarez. Back at the palace, Harley manages to escape and encounters the squad as they launch a rescue mission. Reunited again, the squad sneaks into Jotunheim and rigs the facility with explosives while the military surrounds them. Polkadot Man accidentally triggers the explosive prematurely and the building begins to collapse. Meanwhile, Flag, Peacekeeper, Ratcatcher 2, and um, the Thinker arrive at the laboratory where the extraterrestrial Starro the Conqueror is being held and tortured. The squad also discovers a multitude of civilians are also being experimented on and are enslaved by Starro's mind control spores. The thinker reveals to the team that after bringing Starro to Earth, the American government had secretly funded the experiments on Corto Maltese for decades. Feeling betrayed, an an enraged flag rips open the mainframe to find a hard drive with evidence and threatens to release it. Under confidential orders to maintain secrecy about America's role, the regretful but resolute peacemaker kills Flag just as the laboratory collapses. Starro is freed and kills both the Thinker and Suarez, while Ratcatcher 2 takes the drive. She is hunted down by Peacemaker, who is on the verge of executing her until Bloodsport falls from the crumbling debris and seemingly successfully shoots him dead after a standoff. The surviving squad members reunite as Starro breaks out of Jotunheim, releasing mind control spores, enslaving the city's population, and going on a rampage. Waller informs the team that their mission is over, but the team refuses to stand down and confront Starro, while Waller is being subdued by her subordinates when she threatens to kill them. Or when she threatens to kill the team. Bloodsport organizes the team, having Nanawe and Polkadot Man attack Starro. The latter is killed, but Ratcatcher 2 takes advantage of the distraction to summon the city's rats to overpower Starro while Harley stabs the creature in the eye, killing him. Harley, Nanawe, Bloodsport, and Ratcatcher 2 regroup and blackmail Waller with the drive demanding their freedom. Uh, Waller reluctantly agrees, and the four are airlifted from Corto Maltese. In a mid credit scene, Weasel is revealed to have survived and runs into the Corto Maltese jungle. 
In a post-credit scene, the critically wounded Peacemaker is also revealed to have been rescued and placed in a hospital where Waller's team offer him more assignments to complete. So that is the Suicide Squad 2021. I almost forgot what year it was. Um, yeah, so Justin, when did you first see the, the original Suicide Squad, the 2016? Do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah, I saw it opening day in the theater. Okay. Did you enjoy it? Not really, no. (laughs) Uh, But I will admit that after subsequent rewatches, I do find it to be a bit of a guilty pleasure. I don't watch it regularly, but I think I've seen it like maybe three times. And the last time, I hated it a lot less than I did the first time. (laughs) I just like it. I don't hate it now. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I didn't see it in theaters, but um, I actually, maybe I did. Um, and I wasn't uh, I was a little let down. It just felt really short, the, the original one. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed parts of this. So um, ultimately, how did you feel about this uh, new Suicide Squad film? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's OK. I think it's middle of the road for me. Um, I wasn't I wasn't blown away. I know that a lot of people are and they love it and they're rocking out to it. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting, per se. Uh, but I know that when it was over, I was like, huh, all right. And then I went back to Silicon Valley. It was weird. Like, uh, you know, I don't, I definitely don't hate it. I do think it has a lot of fun moments and some fun characters, but once, when it was over, I was just like, all right, there you go. I'm glad I watched it at home instead of going to the theater for it. Um, and I don't, I don't know what that says about that experience. You know, I feel like, uh, something is lost when you don't see a movie in the theater. And um, that's unfortunate. Right. And uh, I have a question about that later, but we'll we'll address this a little bit. Um, we'll go back to the, the first Suicide Squad, the 2016 version real quick. Sure. I mean, you know, it, for all intents and purposes, it was a hot pile of garbage. Um, it was not liked universally. I mean, there are some people that kind of liked it here and there in bits and pieces. I mean, it won an Academy Award. You, that's how good it is. But um it was so abysmal that it warranted a completely rebooted sequel or whatever you want to call this kind of new movie. But we, we, you told us your thoughts kind of on the original, but do you think there's a way it could have been made better at all? Oh, I mean, for me, I, I do think so. Um, I didn't really care for the villain in the 2016. Oh God. Enchantress thought, or whatever. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of that or her brother. Um, I think it would have been cooler if, if Batman was sort of like a Terminator and just trying to take him down. And, you know, he was just always after them, like a cat and mouse kind of thing <laughs> to where he was. Batman wasn't even like a, you know, I, I would thought it would have been cool if, uh, you know, at the beginning, how he doesn't really have any dialogue. He's just kind of there taking him down, you know, almost like a Jason Voorhees kind of way. Yeah. And I think if their perception of Batman was Jason Voorhees and he was just like terrorizing them and they were trying to get this job done, Joker's in the way, Batman's in the way. And I think that would have been kind of cool to where the bad guy is almost Batman. Yeah, it's kind of like a different a different perspective of it, because, I mean, we're supposed to suspend this disbelief and and follow these villains and try to treat them as heroes, kind of like anti heroes. So it's 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 funny when a movie like the the original Suicide Squad, you you get excited about the uh, Batman cameo. Like, that's the best part in the movie for me. And he's in it for like 30 seconds. So um there's obviously a big issue with that. And I think the original had a lot of character issues that just they kind of threw it to you 
it has far fewer characters um, than this one, than this 2021 version, but they just handled them poorly. And I, I couldn't get behind some of the lines, the dialogue. Um, some of the fights were just so cheesy. It was hard to see things, you know, it, it was a very weird plot and just a very weird movie overall. The, um, the, the one that just came out? You're talking no, about? no, the original, the, the oh. 20, 2016 one. It was it was very weird and hard to follow at times, but you're right. It did have a villain problem. Um, Enchantress was awful with her like hip moving thing that she kept doing. Shakira hips. Oh, I didn't get it. I'm like, what are you doing? And um, I guess a big thing for me and and something that kind of bugged me about this new one, this 2021 one, is when you have these metahuman villains who are impervious to bullets, uh, rockets won't blow them up. All these things, you know, will happen. It just takes maybe like a javelin through the eye or some rats to climb on you. Or like in the first one, her brother gets blown up by a bomb and apparently he's dead, even though they were shooting rockets at him previously and it wasn't doing shit. So I guess the continuity between how to kill these giant monsters is a little weird for me. Um, And I think that's hard because I'm trying to suspend disbelief. But if you have a giant starfish that's attacking people and bullets aren't hurting him, why are you going to send a guy whose main superpower is shooting guns and um i don't think they knew that though i know but i I guess i just it it just felt kind of like a cheesy and they were never supposed to stop starro sure they were just supposed to destroy evidence that the united states was involved right 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 with it no i get that it's just it 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 seems a little i don't know i think at at this point in in the end of 2021 suicide squad i was i was just taken taken away and then in 2016 i mean i was already lost from from the get-go my attention span was already gone so um i agree though i I think that would have been fun to have more of a batman focus or even if you made joker the main villain in this one in in the 2016 suicide squad it would have made a little more sense well you know and building on that I think that is okay. It's okay to strip something down to the studs and start over again, but only if it really warrants it. Uh, we we don't know the success of this first of this 2021 Suicide Squad film yet. I mean, it made 26 and a half million dollars um, opening weekend, but we don't know what's going to happen to it. And so I'm wondering if it already has the the positive reviews in its favor since the 2016 version was so universally disliked. So. Knowing that that the 2016 version was universally disliked, did that change your your viewing experience? Did you automatically think this movie would be immensely better than the original? Um, and with that, why can expectations like this be prog- problematic? So I do think that my expectations were definitely higher. I know with the first one, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I know that I wasn't a fan of Joker when I first saw the reveal of what he was going to look like. Yeah, I was like. Oh, all right, whatever. But I mean, I'm also a fan of experimentation. So I'm totally okay if if someone steps outside the box and tries to do something different to shake things up. I, I think that that's a good thing. I'm always a fan of experiments. Uh, I mean, like avant-garde is like one of my favorite things in fashion because I like it to be something that I wouldn't normally wear or do. Um, it's not for me, but I love to see people's creativity shine. And so I think that's one of the selling points for Suicide Squad is that we're always given characters that we have no idea who the fuck they are. Like, you know, this polka dot guy, like polka dot man or whatever. You're <laughs> like, what? And so I think that's I think that's a good thing when you have no like, you know who Batman is. Right. And mm-hmm. there's only so many ways you can do. Them. So when you're given characters like polka dot man or King Shark or um, 
you know, like TDK or the Javelin or Boomerang, you know, these characters that you have no idea who the fuck they are. And so it's kind of, I think it's refreshing in a lot of ways. And the very idea that they are expendable, the the stakes are kind of high. So you don't know who's going to live or die. Right. And and I'm okay with that. I get sad when someone that I like does die and they're only on screen for like eight seconds. That kind of sucks. But <laughs> yeah. I get it. So, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, well, they are on what is called the Suicide Squad. They're, they're, they're not supposed to make it. And if they do, they'll probably die in the next one. I, yeah. I, I understand. I get that. I'm just usually sad. Like like Michael Rooker, he's a character that I really, you know, he's an actor that I really like. And I like seeing him working. And his character was kind of portrayed as like a weird tough guy at the beginning. But then he runs away in fear and he gets exploded. And I was like, all right, that was weird. <laughs> I'm yeah. Glad they, I'm glad they took all the marketing campaigns to like, you know, show me all these characters that just die on the beach in the first like, 10 minutes of the movie. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so, but what that did, though, Zach was that totally shook up my expectations, which whether the movie ended up being good or bad, I, you know, it's hard to say for me right now, but I do like how 13 minutes into this movie, everything that I thought was going to happen completely changed. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. So we're going a different route. There's a team B. And <laughs> then, you know, I, I was seeing characters that I had seen in trailers or whatever, like your King Sharks and the Polka Dot Man. I mean, we knew that there were action figures of these characters, so they were going to be a thing. It was just kind of a surprise how it was handled. Right. And they mentioned it before that, you know, uh, Waller always has a backup plan. And she has, you know, team, there's plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E with her. You know what I mean? She's always right. got something going on. So from a narrative perspective, the, the clues are there. And, and, and we know this. It's just so jarring when you see these violent deaths and the whole team just get <laughs> annihilated. So, um I know that right off the bat, I was like, all right, so this is going to be a wild ride. And it's James <laughs> Gunn. So I was expecting, uh, given the success of Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians Volume 2, I knew that uh, I was in for something, what I thought would be you know, pretty special. And I, I do think that uh, this new blood is something that DC needed, uh, like a shot to the arm. And... Uh, just seeing all the the fun responses on Twitter and everyone like freaking out and loving it. And it's like they're on the third rewatch and it's only Sunday. I think that's that's pretty cool. I, I can't think of another DC movie that warranted that sort of response and rewatchability. Right. And I agree. I mean, you know, he's James Gunn has earned the respect and uh, trust from from the fans to take a bunch of I didn't know shit about Guardians of the Galaxy and it ended up being one of the best Marvel movies. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's so great. It's these characters that, you know, maybe in passing in other animated things I kind of picked up on, like, like I knew who Star Lord was, but it was great to see them kind of fully developed into these gigantic uh, Marvel characters, which was really great. The one thing I will say, though, and I think this is. The, the trailer for me. I knew it was there were too many superheroes or I'm sorry, too many villains. And so I my, my cynical mindset or maybe my predictive mindset already knew that a lot of them were going to die. I mean, even from the fact that it's called the Suicide Squad. But when they all go on the beach, I almost was expecting that to happen for them all to die. The one thing I was bummed about it with or I was bummed with about it was you didn't really get to see them use their powers or their skills very often um i wanted to see pete davidson char his character do whatever he does i wanted to see savant do whatever he does 
And you didn't really get to see any of that. So I think that that was kind of a bummer because I kind of wish that they gave a little more care to those characters and you you got to see them fight and do some cool shit. And then all of a sudden, then they get killed um, because I was expecting people to die. But based off of the trailers that I'd seen, most of the scenes had our main B squad or whatever the, you know, the ones we focus on for the rest of the movie. Most of the trailers had them in it. So it was it was a little predictive for me. And I'm kind of like, oh, OK, I think I might know who dies in this. Um, yeah. Well, I think so. I think that, you know, Waller was expect wanted all those people. They were the diversion. They were supposed okay. to they that were supposed to die. Right. That makes more sense. And then and because even Bloodsport's like, we got, you know, a disturbance on the other side of the beach. And she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> He's like, what'd you do? She's like, let's just call it a distraction or a diversion. You know, that was that was the plan all along. And that's right. probably why Pete Davidson was even, you know, there. You know, he he basically betrayed them and sold them out. And she probably knew that he would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even was part of the reasoning for that. Uh, mm-hmm. She might have even sold him like, hey, you know, talk to these people when you get on on the shore and they'll you know, get you to safety. You know, right. she's a pretty cold woman and has no problem with people dying. So uh, their their mission in a way was successful. Their mission was to be the diversion on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Oof the suicide squad <laughs> yeah so i mean she is picking people that are yeah. terrible and and she doesn't care about it. and it sucks that rick flag was one of those people mm-hmm. <clears throat> but she probably had him on that team because <clears throat> she knew that if he did get the information about starro then he would deviate off course mm-hmm. you know he's a liability uh, because he is so you know military man and he would want to do what's right i yeah. think and that makes that makes more sense. And in, in terms of the first movie being so bad and this one having a pretty low bar, I ultimately thought this movie was very average. Um, I don't necessarily need to see it again. Uh, it, it's great that people are, are loving it. And I mean, you know, the, the fandom building up to it. I was really excited. I was very, very pumped. Um, a lot of my friends were, too. But I think that. It. It's it's going to be better no matter what, because it's really hard to sink that low, like the 2016 version. And so I guess that the thing for me is it's hard when your expectations are, are that high because it's never really going to deliver. I mean, not in every situation, you know, it's an anomaly if it does. But um, I I think I was shooting a little too high for this. And um, I think the reviews and everybody, you know, it's James Gunn and everybody talking about how amazing it is. That's that's the issue. I, I purposely didn't read any reviews on this. Um, I, I heard that some people were kind of, you know, dogging on it, but then there were other reviews that were like, no, this is fantastic. Like this is one of the best, um, DC movies in, in a long while. And so I think, I think that can be problematic just in, in the sense of, um, of, of that fan buildup, but it, it can also be really beneficial too. It hypes the movie for you, you know? So I don't know. It's, it's incredibly subjective. Right. So I, I think it's a good thing when it's polarizing. Like I, I would rather if I made a movie, I would people I would love it if people either love it or hate it. If it's just OK, then that would be an insult to me. <laughs> I'd be like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I got you. And whenever I talk to people about the podcast, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, they're like, oh, it's really good. And I'm like, well, what didn't you like about it, though? Like <laughs> you can't just be all sunshine and rainbows. You got to give me something right. And um and so I, I, you're, you're I right. Know. I mean, I don't think so. I, I think it's OK to to be sunshine and rainbows. Well, but but I feel, though, I feel like I don't know. Well, what, so what are you saying? You don't want the podcast to be all sunshine and rainbows or you don't no. want people's opinion to be all sunshine? No, 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 no. I just feel that there has to be some 
thing or some person who's like, well, you know, maybe you talk too much, Zach, or something like that. Or in this film, that could be, yeah, you know, I didn't like the cartooniness of it. And instead of being like, oh, my God, it was the best. I've watched it three times. I love this. And that's great if you love it. And I don't want to knock anybody for that because I can totally see that. But for me, (laughs) no, 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 no. I guess for for me, I don't I, I don't want to hear all those reviews that are saying that, because then if I'm like, you know, I really didn't like it that much, but everyone's saying they love it. And am I going to get torn apart if I say that I didn't really like it or or what? So I, I, I think it just can be can be a little problematic um, because you you have this different hype around it. So right. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking in circles here. No, no, no. It's fine. I mean, that's that's why I said when I didn't know what to think of it. I, I literally said, I, I hope everyone enjoys their experience. With totally. It because for me, I was just like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> whatever dude (laughs) (laughs) when is silicon valley on (laughs) (laughs) literally i was just like all right i'll go back i'll go back to richard hendrix and his you know downfall i'm okay with always blue always blue (laughs) exactly i mean there was even uh times where i was just like on my phone because i was just so disengaged with the movie i was just like fuck it's and it was two hours and 12 minutes and it could have been 18 hours and 12 minutes because it just felt so long to me yeah and i didn't quite think it needed to be that you know i I, like some of my favorite scenes were were when they were when they went to the rebel camp and they were just fucking decimating the place and killing all these people that turned out to be like you know good guys (laughs) i thought that was kind of funny that was really funny i i was really enjoying that and how they were how how um Blood sports and Peacemaker. Peacemaker were just kind of trying to one up each other. Yeah. The competition was there. I really like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, there wasn't the infighting was more um, good humored rather than just like kids bickering. You know what I mean? I know mm-hmm. that the first one was a lot of, you know, an, an all star team. Everyone wants to be a star athlete and it's a problem. Mm-hmm. This one was more of let's just get the job over with, which yeah. I think helped with just sort of their group dynamic a lot better. I wasn't really, the only time that they were ever really like freaking out was when Polka Dot Man was like all puffy and gross. <laughs> that was weird. And that's a legitimate concern. Like, are you, are you, am I going to catch this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, and I liked how when he saw his mom all the time. <laughs> that was uh, funny. <laughs> like every, like whether they were in the jungle or when he was on the dance floor. Oh my I, God. I always thought that was funny. And then Starro at the end and yeah. the leg is coming off. I was <laughs> laughing pretty hard at that. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a lot of really good stuff in there. But I think if this two hour and 12 minute movie was maybe an hour and 40 minutes, mm-hmm. I might have really, really liked it. And they did a really good job because the first one didn't do a good job of building rapport for the characters or having you care about them. This one did a really good job of that for most of the characters. And it could have been shorter because you're right. It did feel really long. And I'm just like, they're still in Corto Maltese. Like, this is just kind of a a drawn out process. Um, So, yeah, but and and, and I mean, even um, so the first one, one of the problems was it was 30 minutes before we even got anywhere. You know, there's a lot of exposition. So I think the purpose of the beginning that we got with this one was to avoid that. It went straight right. into this is team one and holy shit, everyone's dead. Is this the end of the movie kind of thing? And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, then we get uh, team two and then we get their introductions, which yeah. I think worked really where really well in comparison to the 2016 version. I think that they, they did that right. Right. 
Yeah. And it was, it was nice to be able to just kind of pick this one up and you know, they're getting the implants, you know, all this kind of stuff and, and right. a Waller. They don't have to really, you, you, you have to watch the first one to watch this one. In my opinion, it just makes more sense. I think it helps. Yeah. Yeah. So we've discussed ensemble cast before and, and how much we're a fan of them. Uh, the Royal Tenenbaums, Ocean's Eleven, Pulp Fiction even. This movie has a lot of characters introduced, which is where the first film, in my opinion, failed to execute. And we were just talking about this. Did the saturated cast work for you? I mean, you were listing off all those actors and you're like, well, you put everybody. <laughs> I mean, right. there's a lot of people. But did, did that work for you? And if not, what went wrong with the saturated cast? So I do think it went worked well only because most of those names die in the first 10 minutes yeah. of the movie. You yeah. know, it's more cameo than anything else. Um, so that's the only reason why I think it worked. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, there's really only like six characters that, that we really need to know about, you know, Harley, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, Flag, uh, Ratcatcher two and, um, King shark. Yeah. Um, I, I liked all the other characters. I liked how they had something, silly to bring to the table but like when tdk just his arms come off and he just starts <laughs> kind of so slapping dumb. their guns around like it was slap, so slap, dumb slap, slap you know i was just like <laughs> what the fuck dude i thought that was so stupid <laughs> um and so you know black guard got shot pete davidson got shot in the face yeah um so in i mean face. i was i was totally okay with that you know like even savant i mean like again i think that that was kind of kind of lame that he died at the beginning i was really looking forward to a movie with Michael Rooker, but I mean, that's just a personal bias, I suppose. But um, I do think that this cast worked really well. The 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 five or six that I just mentioned, I do mm-hmm. think that they were great together. I really liked it when when um, it just Elba, every time he took off a piece of his armor and it turned into a weapon, I always thought that was really cool. <laughs> Inspector Gadget. <laughs> yeah. Um, I even like the scene with his daughter where he's just like, Fuck you. Totally yeah. right. We were talking about Observer <laughs> yeah. Report the other day. That's totally what I thought of. Uh, me too, yeah. Fuck you, Randy. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was extra funny to me. Just oh my god. I kind of like to say that a lot. And so yeah. that was kind of cool. But um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone did really, really well. And I mean, I was surprised that I liked... Uh, a lot of the jokes, like even when when John Cena is just in his underwear, and Blood that Sports, was so like, funny. He's like, "Oh, you tidy white." He's like, "Whoa, that's racist." <laughs> that was so funny. Oh yeah. my god! So just the silly shit like that. Yeah. I thought was really funny. Anything that was just sort of, uh, just a quick wit type thing, I really enjoyed. And and, yeah. and going back to just the camp of the rebels, I, I think that's the best scene in the movie <laughs> when they're just annihilating everyone it's even when he shoots the guy with the it's just the fan that falls into the bathtub yeah i really like the explosive bullets no one likes to show off well unless it's you know, unless it's cool cool coolest. shit or whatever yeah he's like he's like shit he's right <laughs> yeah like stuff like that i thought was funny i like how he has a sword too peacemaker because i know nothing of the guy now i was like he has a fucking sword i was like where'd he get that from <laughs> yeah like total so, highlander whipped it out of my pocket yeah. kind of thing yeah, yeah. Um, it was yeah the characters for me like you're saying they were great and 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 um, I think some of the jokes didn't hit me. Some of them were seriously big eye rolls for me where I was like, oh, my God, a 12 year old wrote this joke. But mm-hmm. then the other ones, I was like, you know what? I'm a 12 year old on the inside and I was laughing at it. And I think my favorite character was Harley. Uh, I didn't like her at moments, but then she really shined towards the middle and the end of the film. And I absolutely loved her. I think Margot Robbie is incredible. And she she just she killed it. Like when she went on the rampage and all the flowers were coming out of people for like yeah. blood. That there's was like, so there's like uh, cartoon bunnies like dancing with yeah, each other and stuff. Was like total blood orgy kind of thing. <laughs> that was so fucking weird. Yeah. But yeah, she was great. Idris Elba's amazing. I think Bloodsport was so cool. Um, he did a really, really good job. And yeah, John Cena was just hilarious. Um, he, he's so 
I like when he's like, <laughs> he goes starfish. That's a slang term for butthole. Is there any connection to that? Thing? <laughs> like Taking totally notes. serious, totally yeah. serious. And he's like, uh, my, he's like uh, I shoot things more in the center. How can you shoot more yeah, things? In the yeah, center? I have smaller bullets. Smaller and they bullets. Touch the sides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, King Shark was hilarious. Oh my god, I love King Shark so much. He's like, he goes, I read book. <laughs> I <Yeah>. smart. <laughs> Just yeah. Yeah, nom nom. He um, Sylvester Stallone did him too. His voice. Yeah, that was yeah. That him was and great. James Gunner are like besties right now. Yeah, um, yeah, and like so, and that's another thing too. We were talking earlier about uh, you know just characters dying and if it had an impact or whatever. And I know that you know I really like King Shark as well. And I was genuinely concerned when those little cute things were eating him. Me too. I was like, no. <laughs> especially that way i was gonna get really mad i'm like he's gonna die by these fucking sucker fish things right. and then, he was, then when he fell i was like okay now he's dead but that was that was weird to even just include those in general i'm like why even have these in here well i think because he was able to identify a friend i think it was important remember how he was like oh yeah he called them friend and he's running around in the aquarium with them yeah and it was uh, he couldn't it was hard for him to relate to humans but then mm-hmm. when he saw other sea creatures he kind of felt like uh, you know, he belonged in a weird way. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. I'm reading too much into it, but then when they turned on him, that's when he's able to really just be friends with, you know, his team. Right. In the, in the Vin Diesel family sense. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. He, um, I, I really do like his dynamic with Ratcatcher too. She was yeah. great. And, um, I like that Taika Waititi had a cameo in it. I mean, a, a movie that is, is all basically cameos. Cause again, the savant thing, they did a really good job of trying to make him his Michael Rooker's character. You, you, they give him a little more screen time and you're like, ooh, maybe he's going to be significant. And then he runs away during the fight. He gets cold feet. So you're kind of like, motherfucker, what? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. Even when he first he jumps in, you know, and he saves Weasel. Mm-hmm. Or he brings Weasel to shore. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, okay, cool. He's a badass. And he calls them amateurs. But then when he's got his back up against the wall, and as soon as he sees like Harley whip out her bazooka, he, he gets scared like he's yeah. like looking left and right like oh man is it what's gonna happen right now mm-hmm. and that i thought that was so weird it's like you think you know somebody i mean not that i should know him but they literally just spent the last like three minutes showing like giving us this perception that he was a badass mm-hmm. and then that just went right that literally just flipped us right on our heads which i can appreciate um to help like subvert my expectations at that point i was like well, i have no idea what the fuck's gonna happen this is weird <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny that they killed off Captain Boomerang because I think there was rumblings on the internet about how Jai Courtney is just not a good actor. And so um, seeing him die, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, that's OK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like my one of my one of my favorite scenes in the 2016 was mm-hmm. that when they're like, you know, you don't have to come along if you don't want to. And he just fucking gets up and leaves. He's like, all right, yeah. see you guys later. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I, I really like that. I was like, all right, I like this guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about the Internet. It can be a great thing when it's properly used, of course. Most recently, we saw the saga that was the viral campaign to release the Snyder Cut of Justice League. After years of online fanboy pandering, Warner Brothers sees the opportunity uh, to give carte blanche to Zack Snyder to share his full vision of Justice League without studio interference, or what we think. This created an interesting precedent. If your movie isn't made the way you want, you can pressure the studio execs to allow you to release your true version. I'm being a little hyperbolic, but yeah. Rumors out there uh, have said that David Ayer, the director of the first Suicide Squad, was upset with the studio's interference on his movie. As a result, Internet fanboys have started a campaign to release the Ayer cut. What are your thoughts on this uprising of studios caving to release director's cuts in their first if their first films bombed? Is this problematic? 
uh, does the new Suicide Squad of the 2021 feel like the studio was trying to make amends for the 2016 failure? So I don't... This is, okay, I'll start with Suicide Squad. <laughs> I don't think the studios see that movie as a failure. Uh, it won an Academy Award, right? Yeah. It made $746 million that's in, crazy. in the box office. Yeah, that's I mean, that's, that's almost... That's like $90 million more than Justice League did. Yeah. Which is fucking absurd. <laughs> it's so crazy. I mean, how are you going to have a movie with Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman and it not make a billion dollars? Yeah. That's that's weird. Yeah. That, that's like Twilight Zone shit. And so, I mean, <laughs> I, I can understand David Ayer's point, but I think an argument could be made that they made, the studio made a better movie with their judgments because A, won Academy Award, and B, it made $746 million fucking dollars. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. It's hard to argue with. Like numbers just don't lie. And so the, the on the flip side of that, Justice League, here's a movie, a culmination of the best that DC has to offer, and and it only makes six hundred and fifty seven million worldwide. Yeah. That's not good. No. Yeah. <laughs> and and Zack Snyder shot a billion hours worth of footage. So everything was already there. You know, it's like slow mo. <laughs> they had yeah, exactly. They had tons and tons and tons of footage. The the Joss Whedon version had to be two hours. It was yeah. a hard stop at two hours. Right. That's a problem. And so I, I do think that with the launch of HBO Max, it being a new platform and them wanting to get as many subscribers as possible. Um, the you know, Zack Snyder, he left the project on horrible circumstances. You know, he had just lost a child that they, that killed themselves. That's 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 bad. And they had Joss Whedon step in. There's all this this toxic environment from Joss Whedon. And you know Warner Brothers knew about it. So I think it was almost like a damage control PR move to get ahead of it in some way. Right. I know that it did take like a year and a half for Snyder, the Snyder Cut to get on HBO Max from when it was announced. But we're talking months and months and months, if not years of investigations that are going on with Joss Whedon. So I do think that there was something to gain from it. There's a lot to gain from the Snyder Cut. There's nothing to gain from a Suicide Squad air cut when you have a a sequel that just came out that's done by James Gunn that's getting awesome reviews. And this is the 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 band-aid. This is the the W in the DC column. Right. Is this is the Suicide Squad 2001. So and unfortunately for David Ayer, I don't think it's worth anyone's time uh, short of the fans to see this other version Mm -hmm. from a studio perspective. They got this other cut. They got a James Gunn cut (laughs) and it's going to (laughs) work. So, so, and they're already talking about bringing James Gunn back for additional DC projects. Right. So, I mean, it's absurd. Maybe, maybe who knows? Maybe one day there, there'll be a Suncoast, will reopen and they will sell <laughs> a, a fucking David Ayer cut of the Snyder. It'll be $45 for, of, of for a DVD because yeah. they're fucking expensive. Oof. But I, I, just, I don't see the reasoning behind it. It is what it is. And we're moving forward. There's no point in going back. Right. But I mean, do you think that that could be an issue if, if other films? I mean, I guess the superhero genre is the, the biggest one because the, the fans are so, you know, how dare you mistreat my property that I love so much? 
And, um, you know, it's easy for a director to be like, well, the studio interfered. And the fans are like, sweet, we'll release this cut. You know, that's always the ongoing joke of, oh, release the Judd Apatow cut of the hangover, or not the hangover, but, you know, knocked up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of one of those things that can be, I, I think it can be a problem if it gets out of out of hand. But I, I think you're on the money with that is is there needs to, there doesn't need to be an A or cut because we got this this movie that the fans wanted. We got a a better Suicide Squad than the first one. Right. And I do. And something else, too, you know, they released the Snyder cut with an ending that implies there's a lot more story. To be oh, told my God. That yeah. we're never going to get. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. literally just a it's, it's totally like leave them wanting more. If you show them this A or cut. And they're like, oh, man, I want more. It's like, what are you talking about? We already gave you more. Yeah. Did you not see this fucking James Gunn movie that just came out? So, I mean, there's nothing to gain from that. And, and you know, there is this movement, you know, I think specifically with Star Wars. You know, the, the sequel trilogy is a problem for a lot of Star yeah. Wars fans. Yeah. And there's these petitions like, oh, remix the Star Wars and make it better and blah, blah, blah. More lightsabers. Yeah, I can't believe you killed the Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and, you know, as someone that has has adored Luke Skywalker my entire life, from the time I was a whippa to, to 2001, <laughs> I fucking really, really love Luke Skywalker. And and guess what? That finale with The Mandalorian in season two, that showed me everything that I needed in a post-Return of the Jedi world with Luke Skywalker. Hell yeah. Fucking awesome. I was crying. I was so excited. I thought it was me so too. badass. Yeah. And so to me, that, that little, whatever, three-minute action sequence righted all the wrongs. You know, I wasn't I wasn't even really upset per se. Like I wasn't signing online petitions about the Star Wars being terrible um, because I still saw it and enjoyed it. I, I would love being around my friends. I love talking about Star Wars. So that was the experience. That was fine. That was good enough for me. Uh, I'm not going to write letters to my congressman about Kathleen Kennedy and ruining Star Wars. And oh, my God, Disney sucks and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, it's just I don't have the energy for that sort of thing. And All I mean. Right. Even with the prequel trilogy, I fucking hate episode two so goddamn much, but I still watch it. I still can't not watch it. Like if I'm <laughs> if I'm gonna pop through all of them, I'm like, oh my god, this movie's so terrible. But I will <laughs> sit through it. And I was like, oh my god, eye rolling constantly. But it, it just that's part of the experience. And sure. so I I don't I know that with comic book movies, um and, and things where source material already exists. Uh, if you want that source material, then just fucking read it, man. I don't want the movie to be just like the comic yeah. or the book. I want it to be a little bit different so I can be surprised. Right. And and that's me. That's one man's opinion. But when you have a director that's going to be working for a big studio like Warner Brothers on an intellectual property that's been around since 19 fucking 30 or something, <laughs> then it's going to be a little hard to get what you want, especially if it's one of your first fucking movies. Uh, mm-hmm. There's going to be people in suits that think that they have a better understanding of what the people want. And that is done through market research and lots of data. And it's great that you have this vision, but guess what? That's when you go make your indie film and you do what you want to do. And maybe five people are going to see it. And maybe four out of the five people are going to like it. Mm-hmm. But exactly. this is not that. And I think, once you have your track record that shows that you can do something uh, and work with the studios, then you get to have what you wanted. You said in that trivia that James Gunn got to pick any characters that he wanted. 
he got that because he made Guardians and Guardians Volume Two. Yep. You, know, you look at his early stuff, one hundred percent indie indie things that he did his own way. Yep. And then when it came to Disney, he says that he got to do what he wanted with 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 Marvel, which a lot of people will question the validity of that statement. They'll say, "Well, I doubt it. I'm sure the mouse did what they wanted," and and. He got to make Guardians, and guess what? He came back for Guardians 2. He wouldn't have come back for Guardians 2 unless they had a great working relationship and he was able to make the movie that he wanted to make. But he played yeah. ball, and it worked out, and he got his sequel. And yeah. now the man can fucking write a check for whatever he wants and, and get it done. So I think the lesson here, this is a long answer, and I apologize. But no, it's good. The lesson here is play ball. Do what they want to do. You might win an Academy fucking award. Your movie might make almost a billion dollars. And guess what? You might get to, get to another, make another movie. Yeah. I don't see what the fucking problem is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're right on. And I mean, he's even pending before this movie even came out. He was already working on the Peacemaker TV series for HBO Max. I mean, that's how much confidence they have in him. And I think that's really cool because I love James Gunn. And for 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 what it's worth, he did a really good job directing this. Um I mean, there are some there are some major issues I take with the 2021 version, but he his 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 uh, trademark is his style is all over it. And and I, and I love those moments like you're talking about the the Freedom Fighters camp. That's a James Gunn moment like that feels like a James Gunn moment. And it's it's so well done because you have John Cena and Idris Elba just feeding off each other in comedic gold. And it's it's awesome. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, totally agree with you. You got to start small potatoes and then you, you get the whole steak after that. So. Right. And, and he's really good at at ensemble casts. Like, he's I, fantastic. I, I love yeah. it, even even if it's just pair ups. Like, I mean, I like it with, uh, you know, like uh, similar to Yondu and Rocket, Ra- Rocket Raccoon when they're just going through the ship, just annihilating people. Music yeah. playing and there's death everywhere. You know, he's really good at stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it just it resonates with the audience. It's it's visually compelling. Absolutely. I agree, man. So I feel at this point, it's pretty clear that we we may have superhero movie fatigue. Um, I know me personally, I just am like, oh, my God, another Ethan Hawke movie. Yeah. So, you know, hence why many films are trying to take different, darker or more non-traditional approaches to the superhero genre. So Deadpool really kind of started that when it was like, sweet, this is an R-rated uh, superhero movie and it shouldn't work, but it works and it's awesome. Then we started seeing other movies do that, too. So maybe, Justin, just maybe this new paradigm has actually become stale itself, kind of. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Like, has has this new, hey, we're going to be edgy just to be edgy as a superhero movie. Has that kind of felt weird to you? Uh, sometimes. Like, um, this movie was pretty violent. Uh, I don't need superhero movies to be incredibly violent. But um, I, it's kind of weird because... <laughs> Like Marvel has a fun way of doing things. Like I feel like I'm at a rock concert. I'm enjoying myself. End of the world stuff's happening, but I'm having a good time. And DC has this. I want to be darker and ominous, and and like we saw with the new Batman trailer yeah. with the bone crunching, <laughs> face pounding action. I was I was a little taken back by that. I was like, yeah. fuck me, dude. This ain't your daddy's Batman, you know. And. Uh, your it uncles was, it was yeah i'm a creepy <laughs> uncle it was a little jarring and so I, I think it just i don't think it needs to be every movie i think it if it's if it's done too much of a good thing is 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 bad you know mm-hmm. um i think it works for properties like deadpool suicide squad and maybe even this batman you know mm-hmm. like it reminds me very much of like the arkham games and that that kind of those games sort of changed my perception of Batman. You know, we're doing like the, the, 
the fluid combat and mm-hmm. just the constantly mashing buttons and then blocking and then mashing more buttons and then just beating the shit out of all these goons. Um, that to me, that really made Batman like a total badass. Oh my god, yeah. like Batman, but the idea of having his power, of which is just being rich, but literally just pounding face i thought was so cool and grabbing them and flipping them and then tying them up and throwing them up on the roof or whatever yeah. and dangling uh things like that really just solidified for me how cool batman was and mm-hmm. and so much of my batman career prior to the nolan trilogy was just you know a lot of flash and yeah. it was fun and and whimsical in its own weird way but it was sort of the animated series which was really cool but then just playing those arkham games and and i feel like this new batman movie is really sort of just hammering home just what a badass batman really is and i think a lot of times what makes batman most interesting is his villains and so this was a time where i i got to see batman being really fucking cool and it was just a little trailer you know what i mean so i don't know it's strange i do think that that uh like shazam that's a good example that that movie's has a couple of dark moments but it's kind of a family dc movie and i think it's really funny and it's really well done mm-hmm. you know man of steel it's a it was a darker version of superman but i don't think it was you know criminal per se <laughs> right right uh so i, I do think uh, it's everything needs to find its place and that, of course that's all on you know, a lot of that falls on the director and, and the direction that they want to take and everything. But I I have yet to experience the superhero fatigue. I'm, I'm on board with everything that's going. And I only say that because we got a year off of superheroes. 2020, mm-hmm. we didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we got 2021 and we got a, uh, a strong lineup from Disney Plus. Right. Yeah. We had... Um, fucking uh, uh, Wanda WandaVision. Vision, then Falcon and the Winter Soldier... Then Loki, and then we had Black uh, Widow. Black Widow, right? Um, so that that was a pretty solid lineup, right. and I think because it was, you know, three of the four of those were TV shows. You know, I was keen to tune in each week and see what was going to happen. Most of them I watched at midnight, just because of spoilers and stuff. But I wouldn't have done that if I was experiencing superhero fatigue. Totally. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, that makes sense. And, and I think in terms of making films violent, um, having a movie like this. So the first Suicide Squad didn't have any, excuse me, it didn't have any campiness necessarily. Um, and this one, even just the, the, the palette is a lot brighter. The action scenes take place during the daytime. Everything seems so, so much more vibrant and fun. I mean, even Rick Flagg's outfit he wears, he wears like a yellow T-shirt and it's super bright. Like it just looks more retro and cool. And everything. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's, everyone's costumes are just ridiculous. Like peacekeepers, the like, toilet as, as a helmet basically is what they say. It's um toilet seat as a helmet. It, it's so much cooler. And um, I think when you treat a violent film like this, because these are the villains, we have to remember that they kill people. And when you have King shark ripping somebody in half, you know, hot dog style, not hamburger style. It's it's insane to me. And um, I love it. And I think that that fits very well for this. But th- they're not trying to just make the movie be violent to to just be violent. Um, I think they did a very good job of handling the, the amount of violence in this and not making it gratuitous necessarily. So, yeah, it's it's pretty borderline gratuitous. <laughs> well, well, I'm sorry. What, what I mean, what I mean is, is. is they don't need to show people killing people just so they can kill people. It's it 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 fits 
it fits like so king shark always wants to eat people like and i mm -hmm. think that's funny they had that funny setup where he's gonna eat rat catcher too and they're like no no, no you don't eat friends or whatever and he asks if he can eat people you know and they're like, no, no, no no num num right now um so i think that that was really interesting because that's what he does he just tears people apart and needs some it wasn't like i'm gonna shoot all these people 30 times because I can. Uh, it wasn't like Tarantino directed this, right? Where you have squibs galore on one person, um, if that makes any sense. So, mm -hmm. okay. But yeah. So we talked about the comedy earlier and, and you said you were laughing a lot. Um, I, I felt personally it was good at times, but at other times, you know, I, I was saying I felt like a 12 year old wrote the jokes and there were a lot of eye rolls. One one line in particular that really bugged me it was in the trailer was when Harley is like, oh, I love the rain. It's like angels splooging all over the place. I thought that was so stupid. And I don't know how, how you felt about some of those. But what's what's the deal with a comedy in this movie? Yeah, so one-liners probably not so much. I think I was more laughing at like situational comedy, you know, right. like more like of the, the underwear humor. thing. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that was a little bit more funny for me. Yeah, uh, usually if it's in a trailer, I get like the marketing aspect of it, but I liked more of the the one-off stuff. You know, yeah. like seeing seeing Polka Dot Man just like with a puffy face and like, oh my God, what the fuck's wrong with you? you know, like ointment there. <laughs> yeah. Or when he goes and just finds some bushes and just, just <laughs> like spews out rainbow polka dots <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Does he puke? Like he just says he needs to expel it like twice yeah. a day and they never really show it. But I was like, what did he do? Did he shit it out? Did he puke it out? Like, he, I, I mean, it, it looked to me, it looks like he's puking it out, but I'm sure he just so weird. little dial thing on his arms to, to expel it or whatever. And I liked, I liked how um, they didn't know that the... Um, Oh God! What was the one guy like the? Oh the yeah, guy that's, mm, Milton. 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 Yeah, like yeah. when when Milton dies and <laughs> like Milton. I didn't know he was even with us, <laughs> and he's even in the white montage background. I like, know. When they're walking up, so yeah. I thought that was funny when he died. Uh, so you know, just little things like that. I, and like when King Shark's like hiding, kind of hiding under the blanket. It's like, dude, you're just big ass fucking shark. You're just gonna hide under the blanket. That was so funny. shit like that. He's like mustache. Like, yeah, big mustache. Yeah. <laughs> I like when he goes see. Ask him to go see. Oh, you speak Spanish now? <laughs> yeah. So stuff like that, I thought was really funny. Right. And then, like when when Harley shot uh, the guy that was running the coup, Sylvia, and talking about red flags, she's like, mm -hmm. "Killing kids is a red flag." <laughs> red flag. <laughs> yeah, and that's something that you know, her former partner would do on a whim. Right, you know, Joker would blow up a bus just for laughs. You know, right. And so I do think that that that's funny. That you know, we talk about this all the time. Where it's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from them. Right. That's the whole point of 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 admitting to your mistakes is learning from. And so she's trying in her own weird way to to be a good person. Which I, love, I can appreciate. And again, I loved Harley. I loved when she found the javelin and was like, oh, my God, I know the purpose now. Yeah. And uh, she just was such a badass. It was so funny. And, you know, this was in the trailer. But when they're like, Harley, we're, we're here to rescue. You. She's like, oh, my God, it's so sweet. Do you want me to go back up there and you can rescue me again? <laughs> right. It's just uh, it's it was good. I really I really liked that a lot. So I think she was fantastic. And I'm glad she didn't die. Um, but they're, they're, you're right. The situational comedy I thought was really funny. Um, but some of the lines, like the whole Island of Dicks thing, I'm like, that's kind of funny. Um, even in the trailer, I chuckled a little bit, but I was like, well, I don't know. It felt a little forced. Um, but yes, the I, 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 I did laugh overall. And everything Polka Dot Man did and said I thought was hilarious. I didn't want him to die the way he did, but uh, it still worked out pretty well. Yeah. And I think another thing, too, one of the moments where you really get to see that that um Keep wanting to call John Cena Captain Insano. I don't know why. What? Captain Insano shows no mercy. <laughs> but Peacemaker, when he's standing in like the bell tower mm -hmm. and he's like, just give the word and I'll shoot the only 
you know, uh, like a person there, uh, only person there. Yeah. He doesn't say that it's a woman on the phone or anything like that. He just identifies her as just a bad guy. You know, it's, I think that's crazy. That's when I was like, oh man, he's, he's pretty hardcore. Yeah, he he just follows orders like he doesn't he has no moral compass because I mean, even how when Rick Flagg is like, sir, I'm following an order, you know, like give me the, the drive and he'll he'll kill you just because of this. It's uh, very interesting because it doesn't seem like there's any gray for him. It's all black and white. Right. Which which I think can lead to a lot of fun conflicts down the road. We oh, talked totally. about him having his own series and that's going to be room for growth, I think. Yeah. Yeah, right on. Exactly. And I mean, I'm I'm interested in the Peacemaker series just because John Cena was good in this mm-hmm. one. And so and like typically I probably wouldn't have cared. But yeah, I I I, mean, I am excited about it for the most part. So, you know, you and I watch this movie at home on HBO Max. How do you feel that may have affected our opinions on it? So I think that there's something to be said about, you know, watching a movie in theaters, the surround sound, there's energy from the theater, hearing everyone else laugh, hearing, hearing everyone else cheer at moments. I think that will have a direct impact on your viewing experience. Right. You know, just being a part of the the basking in the ambiance and absorbing the energy in the room. Uh, that's hard to do when you're just sitting on your sofa. Even if you have, you know, one of those Costco 100 inch TVs, uh, you're still losing the theatrical experience. Right. Um, so I, I probably would have enjoyed it a little bit more if I was in a theater. But it's hard to say because I was talking earlier about it just feeling like it was really long. And when I'm in a theater and the movie feels long, then that has a direct impact on my experience. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, fuck, this movie's still going. <laughs> Whereas when I'm at home, I can just kind of get up and I can go to the bathroom or I can go get a snack or something and then pause and come back to it. So, right. But totally. the second I have to pause, that's usually that's speaking of red flags. <laughs> then that's a lot of times that's a that's a that's a red flag for me. If if I'm not engaged and I'm willing to to literally pause my reality and, and get taken out of the movie, then that's a problem. Sort totally. of like, you know, I'll be in a fire in my house or someone's banging on my door like the goddamn police. Um, it sucks when you pause a movie. You're losing something, I think. Right. I agree with you. I was I was paying attention during the movie, but it, it does kind of take you out if you do have to pause because you're like, oh, I got to go pee. I drink too much water. Um I mean, there's benefits, pros and cons to it for sure. But yeah, the the theater experience is, is uh, pretty unmatched at times for certain films. Um, we do want to see it on a big screen and, and whatnot. But the, this movie, to me, it felt like I, I'm glad I saw it in HBO Max because um, even with it being in theaters, I'm like, yeah, you know, like Black Widow, same thing. I want to see it in theaters, but I'm just not in a rush to go see it. I've heard it's awesome, but I'm kind of like, I don't know. I just don't really want to go see it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think it's beneficial. Sure. So I, I did watch Black Widow at home, uh, but I watched it with my sister. So I had we had it was an audience. Per yeah, se. I wasn't by myself. Suicide Squad. I've watched it twice now and I was by myself both times. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think that I think it would be better if I would have watched this because there were times when I was laughing and I wanted someone there to laugh also. So I could have been like, he's in his underwear. It's hilarious. Sort mm-hmm. of thing. But it's all good. No, I keep subscribing to this idea for a show of this magnitude of the Suicide Squad magnitude. Um, but but hear me out on this. I think this might work better as an HBO TV show. So if they did like a 10 episode Suicide Squad TV show, not not the Peacemaker spinoff, but if it was like a 10 episode uh, Suicide Squad thing where hour long episodes and anything goes kind of thing. Would you be into that? Uh, w- would it make it better for you or would it just kind of be a crash and burn? 
I don't know. It's hard to say because I feel like uh, maybe if they were doing multiple missions, then probably it would work. But if it's just this one mission going to Cordo Maltese and destroying this building and evidence, yeah, then 90 minutes is good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Or what if they focus like a few each episode had a few different members doing something together, like little mini missions, and then they all kind of meet up halfway through the season and then do a giant mission. I mean, that, that could work, too. Or if the first episode was the it's all gone to shit and we get flashbacks like Lost. Yeah. Like, uh, and, and backstories on each character and why they are the way that they are. Yeah. Uh, I think that could work. Uh, but at the same time, I think in in the case of Suicide Squad, I am OK with there being a, an expendable crew of, of a dozen people, Dirty Dozen style and a handful of them make it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that for just sort of the action spectacular that that these movies tend to be, that in this particular case that works fine. Yeah. Even if it was just like I like uh, I wouldn't want to spend ten episodes on one mission. It just wouldn't it wouldn't be good for me. Right. I would need a lot more action. Maybe the overarching story, but even like Falcon and Winter Soldier was six episodes. But I mean, I probably would have been okay with three. Yeah, to be honest with you. <laughs> So it's hard to say because a lot of times you, you get into the you get into the filler territory, right? The bottle and, episodes. <laughs> yeah. And so then you're like, well, I, don't, I didn't really need this. And and it doesn't always stick the landing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's a movie, they only have a few minutes to do the landing. So it's 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 not a time suck, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think there's a lot of fun ideas they could do with it. And I mean, my best example is the Watchmen TV show. I thought that was brilliant. Um, and I, I think utilizing kind of that 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 um, uh, style or, or using that as a blueprint could could really help. But, you know, obviously this isn't going to happen, but I think it would be it'd be really interesting to kind of watch. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and I, I mean, even if it's just a story that that just wraps up, if it's, it's yeah. whatever, it's six to, six to ten episodes and it's a self-contained thing. Um, it hit the fan. They got to go do this mission or maybe missions, uh, mm-hmm. team A, team B, and then they meet in the middle somewhere. Uh, I think that that, that could work. Um, like unexpected deaths because, you know, like Game of Thrones style where you're, you're following Margot Robbie's character and you're like, oh, my God, Harley just died three episodes in or something like that. Like, that would be kind of cool. It, it could be. Yeah. And then I always think of Mission Impossible, the very first one where there's the beginning of the movie where the whole team's together and they, they pull a job and it's awesome. And then the next mission, the whole team dies except for Tom Cruise. <laughs> and you're like, dead. My whole team is dead. <laughs> now I'm just like, now it's become a two hour movie of him trying to figure out why and yeah. who did this. And then it turns out that two of those people aren't even dead. <laughs> and then I'm just like, fuck off, man. And, and the whole movie became this who done it and why they do it. And it when it's over, I don't even care who did it. So <laughs> it's like it's just done wrong, you know? Toast. And so, <laughs> Toast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Red light. Oh, green light. Oh, good. So I would hate for that to happen. I would hate for them to have this mission, just like they did in this one, where they go on the beach and then they know that something's wrong and it didn't work out. They were made. The team fails. Mm-hmm. But I am glad that Rick Flagg isn't trying to figure out why it all happened. It was mm-hmm. just, hey, Amanda Waller did it. And that's just her being her. And yeah, guess what? We already have this other team in place. Don't worry about it. Yeah. There you go. So which character stole the show for you? What about your least liked character? And who would you have liked to see more of? Sure. Um, I would say that 
King Shark was King Shark and and Bloodsport were probably my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like Peacemaker quite a bit, and I'm surprised that I did. Um, and I probably would have liked to see more of Weasel. I mean, just in the vein of like Rocket Raccoon, like yeah. he's one of my favorite <laughs> Guardians. So I mean, it it can be viewed as sort of like this knockoff uh, Rocket, but it's fun to have a character like that. Something that's just weird. He had these weird creepy eyes and he yeah, makes so all these noises. <laughs> uh, but see, we already got, we got some of that with, with um, Sebastian, the little, yeah. the little rat. So right. uh, I was okay with it, but I am curious to see how Weasel does in his little adventures on Corto Maltese post <laughs> suicide squad. Uh, who did you like least? Um, You know, I don't really know. I kind of I feel like I liked almost all of them the same. You know, I didn't have any problems with Polka Dot Man or, or Ratcatcher Two or anything like that. I think um, the Thinker. Uh, I wasn't really into Capaldi's character right. at all. Um, I didn't like looking at him. I hated his little nodules coming out of his head. Um, <laughs> little hell ra- Hellraiser things. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think that that character did anything for no, me. No, he, he didn't do anything at all. Yeah, I think he was. It was weird and a waste. And it probably would have been better if he was just in his lab and had like, uh, you know, a, a two minute scene mm-hmm. explaining the journalists and war criminals. And this is what we do here. Yeah. Weird science, science. That kind of but thing. He, yeah. He was just a kind of a tag along that didn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I mean, I, same thing. King shark was, was incredible. He was him and Harley, I think stole the show for me, uh, but least liked, yeah, I'd probably say Pete Davidson character. I can't remember his name. Uh, and then javelin. And Black I know Guard, I think Blackguard, Yeah. And then javelin. I know that we didn't, you know, it was on purpose, but I still just didn't really like them. And I've never <laughs> been a Pete Davidson fan anyways. So he just kind of, I was like, this guy's, uh, whatever, man. So I, I think he was like my least liked. I don't know if that's necessarily fair to say, but whatever yeah i mean i didn't even ca- i mean sort of weasel i didn't even count that whole crew i kind of no. forgot that they were a thing <laughs> yeah but like to see more of i mean i savant michael rooker's character i want i just i at least wanted to see what he does what his his skill was i mean i know he can throw a, a mean racquetball but like i want to see what he can do before he dies and I, I just wanted to see some more stuff happen with him mm-hmm. that that was one of my biggest gripes and actually sure. it really kind of took me away from it at that first i had to kind of come to terms with okay that's fine this is that type of movie and i knew that but i still wanted a little bit more mm-hmm. i wanted a little more scent of that delicious like pancake tray that was a weird analogy but you know what i mean um okay well then finally you know here's my gripe i think this movie was better than the first but but not by a ton um the bar was so low to begin with that this one was destined to succeed kind of regardless of anything else so did this movie need to be made that's my question is did this movie need to be, be made and was james gunn the correct director i think so i think that warner brothers needed a a win and I think this did it. I don't, I don't think Snyder Cut was a win for a lot of people. Yeah, it was, it was fucking it was a so, big long. Yeah, <laughs> so long. So long. hours. Got the whole IMAX thing. The, the the dimensions were weird for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, it was just a lot going on. And and I don't think that that... While I know that a lot of the, the Snyder Cut fans were very excited for it, it wasn't for everyone. Whereas this movie is one that I think my mom could watch and laugh and enjoy and, and take it at face value. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that James Gunn was the right director for this. Uh, I think with his, with his success of the, the guardians uh, franchise, I think that it would be crazy to pick anyone else. Right. 
Yeah. Um, and I don't really have, I, I don't know who else could have done this either. So um, I think the more I kind of, the more I talk to you about it and let it sit a little more, because I mean, you asked if I wanted to do this podcast right away, I would have told you I hated this movie. Um, but I think as I let it sit a little more, I was like, okay, you know, that was, that was, that was cool. That was a good choice. I dig that. I mean, thinking about it more and more, I like certain performances, but I think in the heat of it, I was like, man, that just sucked. And I think it's because my expectations were way higher than they needed to be. So yes, I'm glad that they made this movie. You made a very good point about there's no need for a release the air cut when, when they're just making this movie. Um, and that that kind of will should suffice those those uber nerds who are still like release the air cut. But um, I dig it. So, yeah, I mean, that's just how I feel about the film. But I think that's fair. And I mean, uh, as far as like other directors, if Matt Reeves wasn't doing the Batman, I think he would have been a good choice. I think Edgar Wright probably would have. I mean, Edgar Wright would be so I am, good. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm it's no secret that we absolutely adore Edgar Wright. So, I mean, I, I would have him make anything literally. So, I mean, yeah. I'm cool with that. Um, but I, yeah, I think James Gunn was a really good choice. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Sweet, man. Well, that's all I have. Um, do you want to share any final thoughts and your letter grade for this movie? Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a, a rewatchable film. And I think that there's something to be gained from each rewatch. I, I know it's it might be a big ask to go ahead and check it out. But there's a lot of dialogue that that you might miss. Uh, like when when Waller's talking about Bloodshot and introducing him, saying that he he put Superman in the fucking ICU with a kryptonite bullet. Yeah, um, you know that's that right there shows that he's a badass, and you might not have even picked that up in the first time you watched it. Um, I do think that that it, it's it's a fun movie, and you're supposed to enjoy yourself. I don't I don't I feel like I know we've talked about this movie for an hour, and and that's great, but I think if you just sit back and just realize that this is just a, a silly comic book movie, then you might just enjoy yourself a little bit more. Right. And I think that's the whole idea is it's just supposed to be a fun movie. And I think as I let it kind of mellow, that's, that's why I, I didn't hate this movie. Mm-hmm. But and, and I think the soundtrack was kind of hit or miss, you know, it kind of had like this weird, like punk vibe to it mm-hmm. uh, at times, but then there would be like Johnny cash and, and just kind of weird music yeah <laughs> so um and i know james gunn soundtracks tend to be you know pretty amazing mm-hmm. and uh, i think he's known for his awesome music but uh there were times where i'm just like oh that's kind of a weird song choice but whatever right, my right. Movie, so <laughs> yeah <laughs> what yeah. do i know <laughs> exactly yeah um but yeah i mean i i think i think it's kind of middle of the road for me uh, we've as you said, just superhero fatigue is a, is a thing. I don't have it just quite yet, but after watching, uh, let's see, 2008 was Iron Man, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, 13, 13 years of superhero movies, there have been quite a few. And so I don't think it's an insult to be middle of the road. And that is probably where I would put this movie. Okay. So what's a, what's a letter for that one, you think? Uh, I would say C+. Okay. B, B minus. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm right there with you. That's what I was thinking. I was like, it's it teeters between a C plus and a B minus. I'm not really quick to go. You said you watched it twice this weekend. Yeah, I watched it uh, Thursday when mm-hmm. like I like five or six or whatever, and then uh, I watched it again this morning. Mm, okay. So yeah, I think it's um, I I think you're you're right on. It's middle of the road for me. Uh, I may watch it again at some point. I just really don't want to. Um, and 
I'll, I'll keep letting it sit a little more. I'll listen to some, some people on, you know, Twitter or on um, social media and, or YouTube and maybe get different ideas on it. Cause that's usually what kind of narrows me out a little bit because just like you, I was a little confused. I'm like, I don't get certain aspects of this film. I mean, I guess that's what people want, but there were so many weird jokes in it that I felt I almost forced myself to laugh, but I just thought that they were so just childish. And I think I was just confused because I'm like, look, you're, you're making a rated R movie. You can do better than that. You don't have to have a forced uh, comedy aspect in that. Just make it fun. And so it, they definitely had fun at times. So, um, yeah, I mean, there were some really great performances for sure. But yeah, man, that's all I have to say about the Suicide Squad from 2021. Um, you want to <laughs> if you want me to take you home now? Yeah. Okay, so. cool. Well, thank you so very, very much for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Um, Thank you to all of our listeners and all of our friends who've made these past few years just so memorable. Please remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at EdgyArmo, and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we'll discuss them on our show. We will say hi to you. We will send you GIFs or GIF, whatever region you're from, and it'll be fun. You can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for the next episode. Anything that is streaming is fair game. Um, Please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin, as well as the Pixelated podcast with Stephen K. James. They talk about video games on that one. Those are fun. Just please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.